Welcome to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. You are joined by myself, as always. My name is Dean, and I'm joined by co-host and co-founder of Flex. You want to introduce me? Lizzie. <laughs> Thank you. I balked because I thought about potentially calling you by your uh, My, your, your birth name. Please don't. <laughs> Magnolia. <No. laughs> <laughs> okay, Bartholomew. <laughs> uh, yes. Anyway, we're back. I feel like it's been a while since we've done a uh, a, a guestless podcast. Yeah. Other than having each other as a guest. Uh, and today we're going to talk about bro science and perhaps where it's right, but also where it might be wrong. Mm. I think a lot of people who are in the evidence-based community do feel as though bro science should be a thing of the past. It's all wrong. There's, it's not based in any facts whatsoever. And although that may be true some of the time, it can also be coming from a place of logic and rationality and science that maybe just wasn't properly understood at the time or isn't properly understood now. Um, or, or perceived logic. Because mm. something sound logical but then... What, like eating fish thins your skin? <laughs> well, no, that doesn't sound logical at all. I know, I know. Um, like fasted cardio is one we're going to talk yeah. about. It kind of makes sense. You're like, oh, okay, no food in the system. So going for a walk, burning more fat. Mm. There's some logic to that. But yeah. then when you break it all down, it may or may not be. We are uh, in the kitchen. We keep a little notepad. And when we run out of a particular item, we write it down. And therefore accumulate a shopping list. So what I, was I have, say we call this a shopping list. It is called a shopping list. For those watching on YouTube, you will see my shopping list of six bullet points of bro science, quote unquote, facts that we will be talking over. And this is the extent of the preparation Dean and I have done for this podcast today. An open and free flowing <laughs> conversation is always the best conversation. Perhaps, Dean. But before we get there, yes, Dean. We've got to keep up to date or get up to date uh -huh. with Flex. What's going on? With Flex? Or with you. Normally we start with personal updates, Dean. Uh, Actually, where have you been for every episode? Um, you start with a personal update. What's going on with you? My update is the same. For, for the next foreseeable months ahead, I think my update will be, I'm currently in contest, bro. <laughs> I am X amount of weeks out. And currently I'm still smiling. Well, you are 16 weeks out. 16 weeks out to the Queenslands. Mm -hmm. 20 weeks out to the Nationals, mm -hmm. which will be a part of the first or the inaugural FitFest Oz Festival. In Melbourne, should their premier not fuck their, their uh, state up further with more lockdowns? Controversial. <laughs> um, that's purely just a personal preference there. I want to be able to compete. So. Um, I feel so terrible for all the competitors in 2020. I don't think it happened in 2021. That dieted into a show only to be told like a couple of weeks or a few days out from the show that it wasn't going ahead. Yeah, that was the Arnold's. It was brutal. Oh, they still got the show ahead though. That's how cool Tony looked. Tony's a bit of a boss, let's be honest. Like, he, uh, he certainly had a tough gig trying to keep everybody happy. Mm. But the fact that he actually managed to get a show together um, in the fashion that he did last year in March was truly pretty impressive. That would have been um, very stressful for him, I'm sure. And now, obviously, this year he missed out again, but he's now created the Fit 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 Fest Oz. The Fit 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 Fest Oz. And the Fit Fest Oz. <laughs> Can we just call it the triple F? <laughs> I can't do it. But it's um, not. It's, it'll be in it's place two. of Arnold's, right? It's two Fs. Fit Fest. Oh, no, it is two. Yeah. FFO. And no, I don't believe it is so. necessarily the replacement. But all of those people that, um, <laughs> all the people that had 
I think, paid for their spots at the Arnold's as an expert. Ex, uh, I was going to say an expo, and I was going to say expedition. A vendor And then the I was going to say exhibition, and I just stopped. Go on. Um, they uh, will be there this year, hopefully. Yeah, so, it, like, look, I'm, like I'm not sure if I meant to be saying this because hashtag politics, but as if it's not the replacement of Arnold's. Because the vendors that put down their deposits to be in Arnold's are now using that deposit for this FitFest Oz that is going to be on around the same time as Arnold's. No, no, it's, it's not in the end of the year versus the start of the year. So it is definitely a different time. All right. November versus March. All right. But um, Same host, same place. But no internationals, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that is the major difference. It's not going to be an international fitness expo. For anyone that hasn't been to Arnold's before, you missed out, buddies, mm -hmm. because... And buddets. And buddets. Um, or bud binary. <laughs> Okay, whatever. Non-binary non buds. Um, I've been in the industry since, as a like industry professional, lifting before that since two thousand and eight. So I have been to my fair share of fitness expos. Let me tell you that, and they all are Lorna Jane with a twenty percent off sale. Supplement companies giving you samples of their new. Um, and men with their shirts off doing titty dances. Yeah. What is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Pre-workout supplement. Why my brain is just slow today. Have you ever been to a fitness expo and sampled like 30 different pre-workouts? Too many. <laughs> there was a man. So there was a rumor once. Uh -huh. I won't say the company. All right. You should. I won't because what? I don't want to. Get, fuck them, Dean. I don't want to get done for okay. defamation or whatever the fuck they can try Slander. And, I mean, now that we watch Suits, we're pretty much lawyers. But <laughs> I don't want to get done for slander or defamation. I've watched Grey's Anatomy. I'm basically a doctor too. Um, I also use Google. Therefore, I'm also a doctor. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there was a rumor that this particular individual had a pre-workout in mm -hmm. a uh, like a like a drink dispenser, mm -hmm. and that he also added his sleep formula oh. on top of it because when you mix the two together, it made like a very euphoric uh, sort of experience. Just like people mix uppers and downs, so uh -huh. that professional athletes aren't allowed to take cocaine legally. <laughs> just don't tell anyone. Just about bunny it. bunny rabbit ears, we can get the hell out of that for those listening. Um, they would do uppers and downers like sleep medication with Red Bulls. Mm -hmm. And it was the same sort of thing. And there was a rumor that he was punching that in the, in the, oh, the mix. And it was just getting people fucked up at the show. So that he could sell more product because yeah. people liked how it felt. Mm. Mm, that's not cool. That's well, anyways, so Fitness Expo is usually just lots of supplement samples, a few activewear discounts and a bunch of wankers. And loud music um, of the Rich Piana stand. <laughs> so true. Oh, that last like not happen anymore. Why? Because he's dead, Dean. Thanks for bringing that up. It is. Um, but the Arnold's had a different vibe to it. I mean, it had all that stuff as well, but it had jujitsu competitions, strongman competitions, pro raw, bodybuilding. Most importantly, it also had pole dancing. And I... secondary to that, it did. It was the last time I was there, I saw a dude doing it. And he was like 55 and it was weird. Oh, that's cute. Um, what are you saying that it's a female? No, he was sport? in spandex and he was skinny and like I didn't find it impressive. Look, I support male pole dancers for anyone. Look, if I saw a jacked up dude on there, I'd be impressed. He's such a wanker. Um, <laughs> Anyways, no, 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 if I saw a skinny dude, it's just that he was old and I think yeah. <laughs> you I'm, I'm a bunch of things. Anyway. Hey, maybe one of those. Okay. I know there was also wow, I don't know what they called them, like the medieval fighters, the children dressed in adults' costumes. I mean, the adults dressed in children's costumes. <laughs> But what, as a sport? Yeah, yeah, they fight. What, so like jousting? Like, I have a sword, you wear some metal armour and we go at it. Head oh, to like head. a sword fight? Like a yeah, proper like, sword yeah, yeah. fight? Yeah, I don't know the rules and how Not they win. Not with dicks? No, 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 they literally fuck each other up. You know, like the ad with the chick's like, what more could you want? Casting spells, catching rainbows, oh, whatever yeah. the final she says. <laughs> 
ratio. Anyway, so Arnold's um, had a different spin on it because there was all these different sports and it was actually cool. Mm. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure how Fitfest Oz is going to play out. Maybe a hybrid of the two, which is still yeah. an improvement from usual fitness experts. Well, it won't be pro raw for the powerlifting. It's going to be big dogs and warriors, which is... That'll still be good. And, and, and there's also pro raw, I believe. Will it be at big dogs? Will it be there? We'll be under 115. Nice. Uh, yeah, it looks pretty good still. Yeah, sweet. We've got yeah. our flights and accommodation, so we will be there. What about what about you? Oh, what about me? Oh, What's an update for you? What is an update for me? Well, I uh, slurped my tea. I got an undercut a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if I've no, mentioned you didn't. it. No, you did An undercut is on the side. No, Sean, my barber, uh, informs me this is an undercut. I refuse to accept that. For those on YouTube, I'll turn around. For those just listening, I will, I will talk it out. Here's my undercut, YouTubers. So basically, um, they definitely didn't hear what you just said before when you said, here's my undercut YouTubers because you turned away from the microphone. No, surely our mic's good enough to pick, pick yeah. that up. Anyways, I have all these flyaways um, at like the back of my head. And so even when my hair's up in a bun and I use bobby pins or whatever, the flyaways still just force their way out. And it's like these messy curls. Um, and also in jujitsu, people tug, not on purpose, um, on those bits that come out of my, my ponytail or whatever. So I just shaved them off. There's probably a good, what, like we say 10, 10 centimeters? Yeah. On the bot the bottom section of my hair, four fingers? Yeah. That's just a shaved patch. It's Well, it's not shaved. It's like, what, like a two, a one or a two. Um, yeah. And look, that's the most exciting news that I have to give you today, Flexes, without yeah. thinking about it in advance. That's your personal update. That's my personal update. Yeah. A haircut. Wow. Aren't you glad you came but to this podcast? But it does just <laughs> It does just show you that you're a, a woman of um, practicality. You come home, you're like, these hairs annoy me when I'm at jujitsu, so I'll just shave them off. <laughs> I don't like putting lipstick on, so I'm going to tattoo it on. Yeah, that too. So, yeah. They're the personal updates. Personal updates, guys. All right, shall we get into the content? What is bro science? Well, Dean. I'm well, not, what is your opinion? Do you think bro science, science is actually on Wikipedia? You should, you should search it while I'm talking about what I think bro science is. No, I reckon you just go for it. Oh, but I'm interested to hear what Wikipedia has okay. to say about bro science. Um, so I believe bro science, or my understanding of it, is kind of an old school understanding of how muscle gain and fat loss, bro science in this context, actually works without looking at the research. So it's not really evidence-based. It's just old school understandings of how things work. Would, would is that your understanding of bro science? I would say it's something that is yet yeah, founded in application by the bro that may or may not be founded in the research. Uh -huh. So either yet to be found or the worst case of bro contradicts science would be, the contradicts the evidence. Yeah. yeah. All right. So A term here, of misinformation Gone. Circulated among men, usually bodybuilding, claims not backed by science. So, yeah. Well, that's a sexist definition. Why is it circulated amongst men? Because it's bros. Yeah, but like, I'm a female bodybuilder. Am I going to get in trouble for saying ho science? <laughs> ho science. <laughs> no, because it's so funny. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I mean... That bro science, sense. a term circulated amongst hoes, usually it says circulated it, among women, it would be. Usually why does it have to say women. among men? Why can't it just say misinformation circulated full stop amongst people? Because Look, I don't like it. Dean. Bro. <laughs> All right, bro. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Misinformation. So, so anyway, we want to unpick or unpack. Both. I never know which one it is. We want to unpick and unpack. Six different bro science claims that may or may not 
be factual or at least have some fact in them. Uh-huh. But the <clears throat> premise in which they're sold upon may be false. Proceed with fasted cardio. People say that if we do cardio in the morning fasted or before food, we will burn more fat. Therefore, if your goal is to burn fat, you shouldn't eat before you do your cardio. Mm. Go. True, but not true. Maybe we should start with that. On well, time. true, but doesn't matter. Yeah, true, but is, not, is the conclusion. not reasonably expected in application. All right, give us the premise. So the premise would be, well, you already said the premise of, of why they suggest to be true. No, no, I gave the conclusion. But okay. like, so the premise would be is that there is a terminology known as like a respiratory quotient, which is the ratio of fatty acids utilized to facilitate energy production during exercise in uh, relation to glucose, sugar. And typically what happens is as the, the intensity or the intensification of exercise goes up, the reliance on carbohydrates goes up and then the reliance on fatty acids goes down because you can't break them down as fast enough, as fast as what you can glucose to create ATP, which is the fuel the body uses. So when you're walking at rest and not fed, the primary fuel source you're using is fat. And then when you do just walking, it's a low intensity, steady state type of exercise, which has a high uh, uh, capability of utilizing fatty acids as fuel. So like there's some sense in the, or there's some, there's some truth in the claim that the fuel source you're currently using in that moment of time is primarily fat over sugar. And if you were to eat some carbohydrates, the body's first um, preference or the first requirement of the body would be to pull those blood sugars down. So we would preferentially use circulatory blood sugars from food to produce energy so that your blood sugars aren't high because that would be counterproductive to your health. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was a loud butt. That was a loud butt. God damn, I apologize for those with, with um, noise-canceling headphones or earphones. Um, the butt is that whether or not you burn more fat in the morning or not, it still comes down to a net energy deficit at the end of the day as to whether or not you'll end up with a net gain, net loss, or net neutral amount of body fat. I wonder if, like, for, for if we've lost anyone with all these, like, four-plus syllable words, perhaps an easier way to think about it um, is, like, a bank account. Maybe we have like two or three different bank accounts, right? And you're just pulling from one or the other, but the net amount of dollars left in the account at the end of the day yeah. makes no difference. It doesn't matter if you spend 100 in the morning or 100 at night, you still end up with the same amount at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah. yeah. Provided you put the same amount back in mm-hmm. or not. Um, now, where there may actually be some legitimate validity in this, just as a quick little side tangent, um, may be that if you have somebody with the capabilities to exogenously manipulate physiology with drugs. So if somebody is using say fat liberating drugs like uh, clenbuterol or growth growth hormone, and then uh, you could call them like uh, fat facilitating drugs, things that help deliver fat into the, into the cells to, to burn more energy like injectable L-carnitines, those sorts of things will actually upregulate both the breakdown and transportation of fatty acids in an acute phase. So if someone's doing that in a fasted state, you could actually argue that these numbers aren't true, but to pick them, if you normally ben, uh, burn one gram of fat per minute, you might burn 1.2 grams of fat per minute in the presence of those drugs. So in that instance, if you actually did eat, you would be eradicating the benefit of the drugs at that particular time. And because it is bro science among men in gyms <laughs> and bodybuilders, most of those guys are probably... Women are too smart to succumb to bro science. <laughs> drug so. using males, that they've potentially leveraged some of these systems knowingly or unknowingly, and it's added some benefit. With, with, and then they've just basically said, monkey see, monkey do. Oh, A plus, that worked. You know, Success leaves clues. Maybe that's the truth. The reality is it's still just the net deficit that works. Success leaves clues. Where do you hear that? 
I don't remember where I first heard it. I like it. But it's not, it's, it's, I like it, but it's not always true. Because can leave clues? Why not? It can, yeah, it can leave clues, but sometimes they're the wrong ones. So yeah. like this, you know, you see a bodybuilder get up in the morning, go through his fastest walk, in 20 weeks you see him shredded. You're like, oh, his success was this. It's left a clue there for I have to do that. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, okay. I think success leaves clues is a good one to say, at least investigate the why. Mm. Um, because there is probably a reason why there are certain successes in this world. Um, I have a really bad neck, constantly injured. Um, <clears throat> and sometimes I'm doing neck rehabby things that have nothing to do with the contribution to 3D shoulders or nice arms or something like that. But I do remember doing some neck rehab stuff at the gym and this chick kept looking over her shoulder and I was like, oh, you know, she's interested in, in what I'm doing. I saw her then doing my neck rehab um, a week later and I wonder if she was like, oh, she's doing that. Maybe that will get me those shoulders oh. or whatever, whatever body part. she. I don't know. Or maybe that was part of her neck rehab and I'm just being big headed. But that's an example yeah. of success not really exactly <laughs> leaving clues <laughs> i joked with logan robson i think it was a couple of years ago about claiming to milk load people in a peak week okay. as a joke to okay. see if it caught on okay wouldn't that be fucking great milk load people just like yeah my clients drink five liters of milk you know the day before a show <laughs> and just see if someone fucking does it <laughs> that's funny that would be an awesome um, so, no, um, so the, what's the wrap up on that the wrap up on that is well, I guess the wrap up would be if doing fasted cardio is um, suitable for your lifestyle. Yeah, more practical for you to, to do your cardio in the morning, then there's no harm in doing it. But there's also no net benefit when we consider the day as a whole, unless you are taking clenbuterol, injectable, or carnitine, you know, yeah. whatever. But even then, we're still talking one and two percenters for the, for the drug using people. Not low hanging um, fruit. Because we could just throw a spinner in the works and confuse the fuck out of people and say that if you did high intensity exercise, which requires glucose, so maybe you want to eat beforehand, <sighs> the afterburn effect yeah, is that right. you burn more fatty acids in, in the, the, the post-exercise state. So then it's like, well, fuck, which one do I do? So don't major in the minors is the conclusion here. Get your exercise in, eat well, it'll work itself out. Learn how to watch. manage your funds. Yeah, hmm. manage your funds. All right, so the next bro science point, number two out of six, is meal frequency. So eating frequently every, you know, three to four hours stokes the metabolism. Mm, Dr. Oz. <laughs> Fucking Dr. Oz. I wrote about him in the Untangling Fat Loss ebook that uh, we published under Flex Success. Um, I don't remember the exact stats, but it was around half the claims made by Dr. Oz were not supported by the evidence. Um, and within that, half of that yet again contradicted the evidence. Oh, that is scary. That is scary because millions of he has a huge viewership. Millions of people see his stuff and trust him because he wears a white lab coat. And uh, as and he was on Oprah. He, well, a lot of people are on Oprah. As Spider Man says, with what is it? With great power comes great responsibility. I'm not a Spider-Man guy. <laughs> I'm not really a Spider-Man guy either. Oh, girl. Ho. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no Spider-Man ho. Okay. Um, but I do remember that quote. And I think it's true. Spider-Man mm. speaks some truth there. Um, but I think for a lot of people, dollar signs speak louder than their integrity, which certainly happens to be the case with Dr. Oz. Mm. Like, so is, that has, so, is there any premise in the argument that meal frequency stimulates well, metabolism? If our body was actually a pile of burning sticks and we stoked it often yes 
is our body a pile of burning sticks, Dean? No. Okay, so... I'd think about that for a second. <laughs> um, I do think that eating frequently can go some way in helping people consume a calorie-controlled diet because when they get to their next meal, which is only three or four hours later, they're likely not going to be starving, so they're going to be making better choices, which overall helps them keep to a calorie-controlled mm. diet. So I, I think like there's some value in sensible meal timing, but stoking metabolism, hell no. Um, it, it still might lead to lower body fat percentage, but not because your metabolism is stoked. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, um, oh, I thought of another myth in metabolism. We should definitely cover. Well, no, we, we're sticking to our six points, oh, Dean, and we're not digressing. One. What about I'm getting hungry and my metabolism's firing? Oh, no, that is an excellent one. If you are feeling hungrier, it's not because your metabolism's improving. It's probably actually the opposite, but that's a big can of worms. It is, I know. And I think that should maybe be a sec second separate episode because I have clients say this to me all the time and the explanation is actually pretty simple, but it takes a few minutes to explain. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I just thought of it because of that. <laughs> um, so where do you think the bro signs of that one has come from? Because like, I think this is another logical one. It's like, if you keep eating more frequently, your metabolism keeps running as if it's an off and on switch. Because I have a better understanding of what metabolism actually is. Um, I, I can't really think of where it might come from. Maybe someone who doesn't understand what metabolism is and they think it's, it's like a burning fire mm. <laughs> that you have to stoke because that metaphor just makes no sense in, in relation to the human body. Look, I'm by know. no means a, a, a wilderness man. Okay. But if I had one kilo of wood uh -huh. and I built a one kilo wood fire versus building five 200 gram fires, would I not still end up with the same amount of energy generated from the fire, whether it was one or five? Yeah, two times, five times 200. Um, yeah, I imagine you would. I'm not a wilderness man. Clearly. I'm not a wilderness I mean, hoe. <laughs> there, would be some other, there would be some other considerations around like exposure to oxygen and all that kind of shit that probably would change how the fire yeah, would whatever. burn. But in a vacuum, I imagine. All right, we have five bank accounts and we have $100 in each bank account or mm. we have one bank account and $500 in it. Mm. We have the same amount of money in the end. Um, although actually there may be some value in, let's say each main meal consumed three to four hours apart, all consume protein. Mm -hmm. The person with sensible meal timing um, who's consuming protein on a more frequent basis probably will end up with better body composition, more attention of lean body mass than somebody who's eating, you know, all of their protein and or calories in one or two sittings. Mm -hmm. um, so, so maybe it comes from, from that. I don't know. Yeah. The, the good thing like that, that bro science claim that more frequent meals will stimulate metabolism more is for sure. Wrong. That is the, the, the definition of bro science in that it is contradictory to the evidence. Well, it just doesn't make any sense. But there is potentially some, and this is what this sort of whole episode I think was built on, is there is some premises to maybe having more frequent meals during a fat loss phase, but for unrelated reasons. Yeah. To the metabolism. Yeah, yeah. So the application of the bro science myth potentially is positive, but the claim of which, what they conclude that um, yeah. claim on is incorrect. Yeah, like it still might lead to the outcome that they're saying. Yeah. Um, which is, I guess, people think a better metabolism means lower body fat percentage, which is sort of a problematic claim in and of itself, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it still might lead to improved body weight or better body composition, but not for the reasons yep. that it's saying. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Um, all right, so the next one. I've got it. Yes. 
bulking and cutting foods. You what you just remembered because it yeah. happened to be on the list right. I remember from... that. <laughs> okay, you the, read my list, you cheat. The bro science myth that there are such things as bulking and cutting foods. Liz, are there foods that are particularly uh, more effective at growing muscle, <laughs> and are there foods that are particularly less effective? If there were, I would only be eating those foods. <laughs> and yeah, what happens to those bulking foods when you're cutting? Oh my goodness! Do you still grow a lot? Yeah. Um, and what happens if you eat bulking and cutting foods at the same time? Do you bulk and cut? Do you neutral? <laughs> I'm so confused. All right, so we can see where we're going with this. Um, no, there is no such thing as bulking foods or cutting foods. Um, some foods are more calorie or energy dense. Some foods are more satiating or contribute to feelings of fullness than others. If we're comparing them for, you know, gram for gram or calorie to calorie. Um, and some foods can also be more quote unquote triggering than other foods. If I'm, you know, in, in the depths of a calorie deficit or a fat loss phase and I eat a square of chocolate, it may trigger hunger and cravings more <laughs> than if I was to eat um, some, bro some broccoli or something like that. So definitely some foods are more energy dense. Some foods can be more triggering. Some foods can contribute to feelings of fullness more than others. But to say that one food is a bulking food, let's give like rice and cauliflower rice as an example is quite absurd because not one particular food impacts your body weight or body fat percentage. That is the total sum of your intake and your output. Mm -hmm. um, somebody who has very low energy needs, meaning they can only eat up to, let's say 1200 calories a day or something like that, would not be wise to fill those calories with oil and honey and sorbet and low voluminous foods because they're not going to feel very full. They're more likely to overeat they would be wiser to use um, strawberries and cauliflower rice mm -hmm. and vegetables and lean proteins, foods that have a high volume, that have maybe a high fiber content, pumpkin, something like that, mm -hmm. raspberries to help them stay full. But that's not to say that you can't eat raspberries or cauliflower rice when you're trying to gain weight mm. <laughs> either. It, it, we, do, we need to think of this in context. Yeah, I think... Um... There's, there's a weird crossover even with almost like the health halo effect with bulking and cutting foods. Mm -hmm. Like there's these weird crossovers like salmon's a good fish, therefore it's still good for cutting. Right, salmon good. Could, good being that it's a healthy fish and you should have that. It's got lots other. of nutrients. Okay. But it's obviously calorically dense because of the fat content in it. So maybe it's not actually great for cutting because it may actually take more calories for less volume. Mm -hmm. And the other one that is always in cutting diets from the bro science crowd is, is oats. Mm. And oats, oats are like is a bulking food. A high fat fucking cereal. It's real weird. Do, yeah. do you you saying oats is a bulking or a cutting food? Well, it's a weird one. It's calorie for gram. It's a terrible cutting food, but it's calorically dense for gaining. But it's high fiber for satiation. It's high fiber for satiety. So like it has benefits in both ways. Mm. Um, and it typically has got a fairly slow gastric release. So it is actually good for satiety, but it's calorically dense. Depends what you mix it with too. Are you putting berries in it or honey? Yeah, in it? but mm. it is it is traditionally used in weight loss diets, but you could arguably choose something that's still more voluminous mm. in that category and do better off with it. Mm -hmm. And then also putting some fats in from some other foods, if you like some other fats. But yeah. Yeah. I think the the loss here is just simply that, again, Bodybuilders have typically, or bro science people, we're, we're kind of linking them together here, have used particular food groups in different phases. Mm -hmm. And they've unknowingly done that 
and achieve certain results and then attribute it to the food types yeah. without knowing that they've pulled some calories. Yeah, yeah. So like the perfect example of that is like the white. So bodybuilding diet at the start of a diet starts off with rice, chicken and beef and salmon. And then as the diet progresses, they move from the salmon to the white fish, which pulls out fats. They don't necessarily know that. They just, they just do it. They take the beef mince out and move it to chicken and they move the chicken to fish and they go all the way down this way and then stop eating potato. And then like they make their way down this calorie and they're changing their calories by changing their foods. But they don't really know why. They think that their body's changing because of the food types. They don't understand that the calories have changed so significantly. Yeah. yeah. And then they'll think like, that's where you'll hear this stupid claim of like fish does thin, thin the skin. skin. Oh. When in actual fact, it's just that by correlation, you're eating the fish at the time in which you're losing the last fat. bits of fat, which makes your thin inherently skinny. Skin. It makes your... What did I just say? Oh, who the fuck knows? Starting with... Makes, which makes your skin... In, Inherently thinner. Thinner. Okay. Wow. Um, see, this is why you don't drink tea. You should drink coffee instead. <laughs> is the tea throwing you off, Dean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then they say, oh, that's, that's a misappropriation of reality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm. One thing that pains me before we move on from this point um, is, is sort of the attitude towards food that usually accompanies the idea of cutting... Uh, and bulking foods and that is when I'm bulking I eat bad foods when I'm cutting I eat good foods because then what happens to fruits and veg and lean proteins when you're bulking what do you just move mm. straight to donuts like that's so unhealthy mm -hmm. um, and and then when you're cutting do we have to hate our food because we just have to eat bland boring food of course there's room for the occasional square of chocolate or scoop of ice cream you know, like we need to fulfill our cravings. Um, well, we don't need to, but it definitely can help support our emotional health and a good relationship with food. Yeah. It is unnecessary to cut out entire food groups because you're trying to do a particular thing with your body weight. It can be helpful to encourage a bit more and a bit less of this and that, but that doesn't mean that this is a yes food and a no food. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's no, there's no um, specific bulk and cutting foods or rather things that may have, uh, so, will appear so, more or less yeah, in your diet. Yeah, time. beneficial or not. Yeah. All right. The next one, training to failure. So do you want to explain this bro science myth? That you have to train to failure in order to grow. Yeah. To failure, for those that aren't familiar with the term, which I imagine most people are, is training until you physically can't get out another repetition. Yeah, let's say technical failure. So like without the assistance of somebody as well. A spot. Or something. And, and maintaining a similar, if not the same. Actually, sorry, I'm changing spot to forced rep. Yeah. Yeah. Different things. So like range of motion and all that kind of jazz. So you cannot do one, one more of those. Yeah. Um, so bodybuilders and bros have trained hard. Good. Uh, I've said this before on our podcast and many others is that most results are predicated on effort. Right. Um, but you do not need to train to failure in order to achieve hypertrophy. It may be beneficial at times, but it's for sure not necessary in that uh, live and die by the sword mentality that's perpetuated throughout the industry that say you have to fucking leave yourself on the floor vomiting is for sure not necessary in order to grow. So that's where the bro science is. There's no validity to the claim that you have to go to failure in order to grow. I think that this might come from a place where um, if you, you have a really high training age, or so you've been training for 10 years and you're at the very end of a tough training block, there's probably some value in training to failure and ending up vomiting on the floor. Maybe. Would you say like at, Semi -occasional. at very specific yeah. times and for people who actually benefit from that are probably at the peak of their physique and people might look at that and go, well, that's how he trains and that's what I want to look like. So I have to do that yes. without 
realizing the context. Yeah, where, prog where progressions come quickly and easily or more readily, mm -hmm. the necessity to train to failure is, is reduced. Mm, absolutely, but, yeah. But as, as it becomes more and more difficult to progress the stimulus with, i.e. load or reps or sets, whatever it may be, the, uh, the necessity to take those reps to a closer proximity to failure goes up. Mm. Now, where, although this is a bro science myth in that it's contradictory again to the evidence because the evidence suggests that you can get sufficient hypertrophy anywhere from one to four reps from uh, technical failure where it actually comes to fruition in winning though so like there's some truth whether it be right or wrong was saying the start is that as i said before results are predicated on effort and i think there are a lot of people that think they're training one to four reps from failure therefore they're evidence-based trainers when in actual fact they're training six and seven and eight reps from failure uh, so they're actually missing the mark yeah so i think attempting to train to failure is probably fair advice for an intermediate to advanced uh, trainer, uh, but actually training to failure is not necessary. So, yeah. And we could also then talk about stimulus to fatigue there as well. Mm -hmm. Like you, if, if we stop two reps before failure, we can recover from that, you know, significantly faster than if we were to get those extra two reps out and we're hugely increasing our risk of injury yeah. training to failure as well. Um, and that's going to put you off training for a while and how are you going to grow when, yeah. <laughs> when you're injured. And one of the things you were saying to me downstairs when we came up with these ideas as well was um, the perception that soreness equals success. Oh, right. Mm, yeah. That's right. Yeah, so but we were going to talk about that in um, Shocking the Muscle, oh. in point number 16. So thanks for bringing it gotcha. up. By the way, can I just say I'm looking at you now and when I look at you through the camera, it's fine, but looking at you here, there's this one white hair in your fairly dark beard. That's a ridiculous thing to do in the middle of this podcast. But it's really distracting me and I feel like I need to pluck it. No. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's very annoying. That's just, fine. Just don't, putting it out there. Don't look at me. Um, I'll look at you through the camera only. <laughs> I'll look straight forward. Um, so the next point, greens only, Dean. Yeah, why, do, why is that a thing? Why have people said that you should... like? Why when you get a diet from a bro, do they just give you broccoli and beans? It's got to be great spinach, another one. Asparagus, yeah. green vegetables only. I don't know. I actually don't know. I, the only idea is it I because they think we need a photosynthesize? <laughs> I'm a plant. Watch me grow. I think the no coloured vegetables thing might have come from because carrots are full of sugar in their bad. Well, carrots are actually a starchy vegetable, but whatever. So carrots have six percent carbs, whereas like green beans and cucumber and whatnot are more like two. Mm. Tomatoes are what, and and cap, red capsicums like three or four percent. Yeah. So it might be that one hundred grams of a coloured vegetable gets you an extra gram of carbs or two. <gasps> <laughs> Somebody's like you know I'm eating two hundred grams of carbs a day. What's mm. one or two? Yeah, anyway, I mean... it's ridiculous. Um, another thing I can think of where it might have come from is that. Broccoli, like say, say, most vegetables are a carbohydrate and fiber source, like negligible fats mm. and, and protein, except for broccoli, which is, I believe, 4% protein and like point something percent carbs, like 0.4%. Yeah, okay. So negligible carbs. So, um, unless you're American, of course, they would classify that to four. They would, because they count fiber as a carbohydrate. Uh, but we digress. So maybe people have looked at the macronutrient profile of broccoli and gone, ooh, broccoli is uh, a protein and it is green, therefore green vegetables are better. I don't fucking know. 
Yeah, I mean, we could definitely say that the bros have claimed that you should eat asparagus at the back end of a contest prep for the purpose of natural diuresis, uh-huh. Ugh, which is ridiculous. Tell you what makes you piss more? Drinking more. Drinking more water. <laughs> Mind blown. Right? <laughs> you would not believe that that's what happens. If you drink more water, you pee. Well, you could just get lean enough and not have to worry. But isn't that just absolutely mind-boggling? Mind-blowing, Dean. That if I was to make you drink more than you drank yesterday, you would pee more. Actually, funny story about that. Um, I have some clients who occasionally do a low-volume low diet, mm-hmm. low-residue diet. Like maybe they're trying to weigh in for a comp or something. And I don't get it, Liz. I used to poop twice a day. Now I, I'm pooping once oh, yeah. every second day. I'm like, because you're eating about 25% of the food that you used to eat in volume, but in calories. I also like when <laughs> clients will say to me something to the tune of, I'm annoyed because I can't poop in the morning. I'm struggling to poop in the morning. And I'm like, do you need to? Or are you just going because that's what you did last week? And they're like, well, I normally do, but I'm like, but do you need to? Like, no. Then what, what's your problem? Like, it can change. It's fine. Except if you're Ollie Purton who poops no. too. <laughs> Hi, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, he has a poop schedule. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm down with that, but, but if it changes, what it changes. He, what's the guy from the Big Bang Theory? Sheldon. Sheldon He's Cooper. Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. Fucking Sheldon Cooper. Um, Wouldn't be fun to travel with. No. Yeah. Um, so your greens only. It's definitely a broish thing in that they're definitely not the best vegetable. They offer some goodness. They're fine. But they're, they're not. They're not the only they're vegetable. In, they're not inferior. No. But they're, they're also not one, superior. Yeah, they're one of many that you should consume. Yeah, and the reason that we want a constant supply of vegetables and, and fruits as well, and various ones, and various ones, getting there. Mm is um, when we're eating foods that have fat-soluble vitamins, these are typically foods that are high in fat, avocado, oils, nuts, seeds, whole eggs, they have fat-soluble vitamins and our body does have a storage system to store anything that we don't need at that time. Whereas for water-soluble vitamins that are usually found in watery foods, like fresh fruit and vegetables, our body doesn't have like a storage tank for, for those micronutrients. Um, any excess is detected by the kidneys and excreted through urine. So it's not like we can eat more yesterday and use those vitamins today like we can for fats, yeah. minerals. Um, we, we do need a constant supply. So, and particular fruits and vegetables have particular groupings of vitamins and minerals. Um, and different amounts, which is why we shouldn't always be eating the same fruits and veg because we want variety, not just for to avoid palate fatigue, to you know keep it exciting, but also because we want a variety of mm. vitamins and minerals. That's why I like triple D's, Liz. What's that? No, that's my little thing when I talk to people about vitamins. It's daily diversity and density. Hey, I like it. So lots of them every day from different types. Cool. Triple D. Triple D's. Hey. Uh, shocking the muscle. Shall we get on to number six? Yeah, the finale. So what, what's the claim? That you have the, to shock the muscle the claim with is, an electrode or just in its own brain? Well, isn't there that freaking... There is a machine. Yeah. <laughs> no, but this no, claim... No, just quickly on that. You want to know something fucking hilariously ironic? I that, do. Right? So the machine uses this particular thing called direct current, which is different to a TENS machine. Okay, just and explain the machine quickly. Right. Uh, it's an electrode that you attach to muscle. It's been used in rehabilitation for people with um, uh, neurological disorders or neurological f- failures where it has this direct current to try and drive function into the tissue so that it starts to, to, to get the current that it was required to get the contraction going and the function going on. Actually has some pretty good science in doing that. Uh-huh. For, for, re- for rehabilitation. rehabilitation. 
but there are people using it to claim that it can potentially, because it increases the contraction force, that therefore it would also yield greater hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. And what you end up doing is lifting very, very, very light loads and having a machine self-contract for you, which causes an immense amount of metabolite accumulation and damage. And then you get very fucking sore from it, apparently. Mm-hmm. But where I was going to go with the irony of it is the people that typically use it, uh, you can just purchase this machine if you want to get one. And it's called a newbie. Mm-hmm. And I just think, doesn't that align with... Who they're selling to? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Their target audience. That's the irony for it. Oh, anyway. people, stop looking for shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. Do the fucking work. Yeah. So that's, the claim is here is that you need to shock the muscle in, you, in that you need to confuse it. Yes, you confuse the muscle. Um, this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this brainless tissue requires to be confused. Okay. No, this tissue that has no sensory feedback in regards to understanding confusion. No, no memory. Yeah. yeah. You need to confuse it because it remembers what you did, guys. Actually, muscle memory is a thing, but that's a separate different kind of memory. Thing. Different memory. Um, and yeah. I don't know where it came from. I think like because people think you adapt, right? Uh-huh. I think this is where it probably comes from. We know that as you do the same thing repeatedly, you adapt to that stimulus. Mm-hmm. And we also now know that you need some form of novel stimulus, i.e. a new stimulus, to create further adaptation. The thing that people have fucked up with the shocking the muscle concept is that they forget that any kind of progression is novel mm-hmm. and also shocking. And, and Not that confusing, adap- shocking. but shocking. And adaptation is helpful and a necessary part mm. of the growth process. Yeah, but like if I lift 100 kilos for the last two weeks and then this week I lift 105, that's still shocking the muscle in that it's Adapting creating a new, a new stimulus, stimulus, it's novel. Just like it is when I, if I benched this week and then benched the next, didn't bench the next week, but did something else. Yeah. The difference is, is that I have no means to uh, measure, measure my progression, which we also know that the concept of progressive overload in regards to hypertrophy is likely, and more specifically of mechanical tension. So how much load is on the bar uh, is likely going to uh, generate the most amount of hypertrophy. Can I give my two cents on where I think shopping the muscle came from? No. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm for sure interested. <laughs> I was not expecting Let me slap my teeth. Okay. Hmm. I know it's going to distract me, so I'm just waiting until you're slurping this one. You good? <laughs> you good? Um, I think that people believe that the sore they are, the more they're going to grow. Mm. And if they're not sore after a workout... You didn't go fucking hard enough, bro. Yeah, and they're not going to grow from it. Like, there's no benefit if you're not sore. And novel stimuluses... Um, stimuli? Stimuli, yeah, that oh. one. Um, two fishes theme, three sheeps typically uh, create more DOMS or, or soreness, delayed onset muscle soreness. So finding new exercises, quote unquote, shocking the muscle every time because it creates more soreness than if you were to stick to the same program, like a smart person. Um, therefore, you know, shocking the muscle is better. That, that's like what I'm interpreting mm-hmm. as its conception. Yeah. Mm. That the perception of soreness equals success. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. When it don't. And do you want to explain the repeat bout effect? Um, Simplicity of it is the more frequently you do something, the faster you adapt from a recovery perspective. Mm. Doesn't mean you're adapting and that you can't grow, but rather your ability to sort of um, resynthesize protein, recover those, those broken down sort of uh, tissues and you know, remove metabolic waste and all that kind of stuff, you become better at doing it. It improves, yeah. So if I, it's, I remember, uh, was it in year 10? Just after, I dropped out in year 10, by the way, guys. Mm. Um, also a dropout. 
Are you? Year 12. You know what? That actually is what in made me, well, like really motivated me to go to uni because I felt like, am I dumb? Yeah. I didn't finish school. So I, I feel like part of my large motivation to, to graduate uni is to prove to myself that I'm not dumb. You know how I'm an ageist, apparently? Yes. I'm apparently also a jobist Why? or a careerist. What do you mean? In that I'd quit school, right, to go to play soccer. Failed. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I then took a job landscaping. Yeah. And I was like, there ain't fucking no way I'm doing this shit job. This is a shit kicker's job and that, that ain't me. Why did you think that? Because it was a shit kicker's job. Oh, I'm sure there's lots of landscapers. No, that... I, was, I was literally like the labourer of the landscaper. Though. Okay. And it was, it was for a company that did a lot of like major unit complexes. Okay. So I was digging holes and putting bark in them on top of fucking... You were doing the grunt work. I was just doing yeah. all the lab laborious stuff. It was so shit, man. Yeah. I think that there would be lots of perks to being a landscaper. Like, you know... If you do nice gardens. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like there'd be less people doing nice gardens as a landscaper. Just like there'd be people like, I want to be an exercise scientist. I'm going to be the coach of Manchester United. You're like, yeah, one person, one, <laughs> one million did that. <laughs> all right. You know? I don't know. I really love plants and stuff. So I feel like I'd like the job. But yeah. I hear what you're saying. I'm a careerist. You are a careerist. Where was I going with that? All oh, right. So sat on the couch pretty much for three months after year 10, not knowing like what to do with my life. Um, and I remember going shopping and I spent the whole day walking around the shops. I cannot explain to you the level of soreness I experienced in my legs a few, like maybe a day or two later. I was, I could hardly stand up from walking around the shops. That's embarrassing. It is quite embarrassing. Um, and that is because I was so under-adapted. Do you know how much it will take me to get that sore now? A hell of a lot more than walking. How many? Thousand. <laughs> a thousand, all of them. Um, and that's not because I, I shocked my muscles by going for a walk or I did some sort of extreme walking. It's just that I wasn't used to it at the time. So, of, of course, um, six weeks or eight weeks into a training block, you're not going to be as sore from the same weight, the same reps, the same sets as if, if you did that in, in week mm. one, because yeah. we adapt over time, which is why we can do more in week 10 and either be just as sore, not as sore, but we're doing more because of progressive overload. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There should be a, an indication of soreness in the tissue that you were targeting. Yeah, sure. But the, that's the only positive that the soreness, as far as I can tell, is telling you from a, from a feedback, a sensory feedback perspective. Well, you don't that, want to do bicep curls and have sore pecs. No, sure. if the muscle that you were targeting is somewhat sore, but tolerably sore, then you probably hit it sufficiently. If there's been enough disruption, to use Mike Israel's term, um, and you can kind of tick that box and go, cool, done. And if you progress it next week and the same occurs, done, good, continue that process. You don't have to be sore every time. But if you're super sore, there may be an indication that you're under-recovered, underfed, underslept, overtrained. Over There's heaps of negatives associated with being so sore. Um, yeah. So yeah, mm. soreness is definitely not an indicator of growth and or shocking the muscle is not necessary either. I just, I just find that idea so hilarious that, that your muscle is like surprised. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's like, <laughs> I can, <laughs> I can punch you in the arm if you want to be sore. Probably <laughs> not going to grow. Oh, I love it so much. Hmm. Could you imagine if soreness was an indicator of growth, how huge my neck muscles would be? Hmm. <laughs> hilarious. The well, only place I think, just as a quick side reference to that newbie, the place that I think that would have benefit would be one if someone was recovering from injury and couldn't activate a tissue. Sure. It might, it might actually help them regain some connection from a mental perspective. Mm -hmm. Or maybe in those that are older individuals, 
who are seeing atrophy because neurologically they're becoming uh, maladapted, let's say, mm-hmm. with aging. And then we can say, okay, let's forcibly change that scenario too. No, but they should be weight training. Everyone should be weight training regardless. But in the, even in the present. So like it has been used in some of the older bodybuilders, which, which seems to be to some effect. What has positive been effect, shocking this the new, muscle? The newbie machine. Oh, the newbie machine. Not shocking. Literally shocking the muscle. I'm talking not actually, yeah. not figuratively shocking it. Uh-huh. Um, so I think there may be some validity in that. But if you're a normal person who trains a normal amount of times, please don't spend the extra money to go and use that machine. Like you said, if you want a sore arm, come to me. I'll punch you. There's some fairly unintelligent bodybuilders I know of online who would promote the machine. Oh, they're um, newbies. They, fuck. I dare say they get some kickbacks when you use their discount codes. And so that's the incentive. Or they don't understand the science and they actually believe, which I hope is the case. I, I, much, I would much rather believe that people believe in what they're selling than them doing it because they're getting money out of it and they know it's bullshit. Mm. But either way, it's bullshit. Whether you they can know call it or yourself not. the electrocution of it. <laughs> that's cool. I want that on my business card. The dude in America, that's what he calls himself. The electrocution of it. Yeah, it's good. Mad dog. Um, all right. And that's right. Bro science that potentially does have some validity, but we need to understand why so that we can remove ourselves from the bullshit. Which is kind of the less shit, how to be less shit tip that I was about to give. Mm. Um, if you hear something, uh, and you think, is that true? Is that coming from bro science? It might come from bro science. Um, and if it does, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not true. But the less shit tip that I have is think about things. Don't just accept something because somebody who has a good body or you think is intelligent says it. Uh, Dean, are you pointing at yourself when it has a good body? No, never. <laughs> I like that you chose the body comment, not the fucking intelligence Well, obviously comment. I'm thinking about myself when I'm saying intelligent. <laughs> Yeah, like how might that work? Think about like what might be the mechanisms? How can I clarify this information? Mm -hmm. How might this be wrong? You know, like don't just accept things. Think critically. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Thanks, Dean. All right, would you rather? Would you like... Or is it something we're sharing? Because I've got something. All right, give us something we're sharing, Dean. Guys. Oh, the ninja. I got one of the original air fryers eight, nine years ago. If not longer, 10 years ago, maybe. And we've used it to this day. And it's been great. Thank you, Air Fry. Thank you. But we purchased this new Ninja. For those that are at, um, on YouTube, you can see that now. False. We're getting some advertising for free. <laughs> the reason why I'm going to say something we're sharing is because it has a, a setting on it called the Max Crisper setting. <laughs> All right, hang on. I can see a picture of the front of this Air Fryer on this pamphlet I'm looking at right now. This Ninja Air Fryer, you can roast, dehydrate, air fry, reheat, bake, or Max Crisp. Yeah. Now, our previous air fryer was a one-button push air fryer. It was just it on just or off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this one obviously has different settings based on the degrees you want to air fry it up. But the Max Crisp one goes to 240 degrees Celsius, and it makes shit crispy. Guys. It does. I'm so into it. It's how I cook <laughs> on the stove. It doesn't matter what I'm cooking. I'm always in a rush. Mm. So I'm like, our stove goes, it's an electric stove. From one to nine, it's always nine. Yeah, I max crisp everything. Yeah, so that's I just want to share it because I haven't seen max crisp on all functions, and this is like a really nice, uh, well priced, solid fucking air fryer. So if you need an air fryer or want to upgrade, we recommend the Ninja Air Fry Max, eight F one six zero A and Z. That's the model number. Is it deep? Yeah, great. I too am loving the Ninja, but only for max crisp. Yeah, probably everything on max. Crisp. Okay, would you rather? Oh, I'm nervous. You ready? Mm-hmm. I'm just formulating this in my brain right now. Buffering, loading. Beep, bop, 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 beep. Would you rather always feel thirsty regardless of how much you drink 
or always feel a little hungry regardless of how much you eat hungry you'd always rather feel a bit hungry yeah because i feel like i'd still then enjoy the food a lot more i don't know mm. yeah no i think i'd rather be hungry and still quenched as opposed to never quenched i feel like that's a recipe for obesity though uh, but if you if you know that you're always going to feel hungry regardless of how much you eat, maybe you would just give into it and stop trying to not feel so hungry. Like you would get, you would get. You well, know, does the level of hunger change with the level of body fat? Think of the hunger scale. Right. So let's say you know a zero is absolutely starving. You'd eat your own arm off. A ten is you're so full you need to unbutton your pants. Why did they out. decide to invert that number scheme? Hey, it I don't really know. bothers me. It annoys me, but yeah. this is how the hunger scale is set up. Um, gosh, I hope I'm remembering this correctly. I'm so sorry, intuitive eaters who are listening. Um, let's say that you can feel an eight, a nine, a 10 hungry, but regardless of how much you eat, you only ever get to slightly hungry. Like, what is it? Like a, a three or a four mm. hungry. I still think that, but the level of hunger doesn't change based on my body fat. Yeah. Like when you're really, so like ready, if I was in a prep, does it go to like a 10? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. But you no, would... no, a zero, sorry. I want to eat my arm off. Yeah, sorry, yeah. a zero. This is a man, sorry. Ah, stupid inverted yeah. hunger scale. Yeah. So it does change, but it can never, ever get better than a four. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. No, I could, I could still tolerate. I'd just get to a, enough that I just stay at a, a perpetual four. And I think I'd just really enjoy food because I do when I'm in that state anyway. Okay. It just means you need to show a little bit more restraint. But it certainly brings me more joy being a little bit hungry and having to eat food than being always full and having to eat food. Having to. <laughs> choosing to eat food. Yeah. Mm. Okay. What about Sometimes. you? Oh, I think I'd rather always be a bit thirsty, okay. which would be annoying, but I'm not sure how long I could deal with always being a little... Because I, I get I'm pretty hangry, you know, mm. like... I find like I can't concentrate very well when I'm hungry. I'd rather you be thirsty. I can deal with hunger if I know that, I don't know. I, I deal with hunger very well all the time, but only for short periods of time. And then I choose foods wise. I don't know. I'm going with thirsty. All right. I got a quick one for you then. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have fingers for toes or toes for fingers? Like literally your current fingers and toes. I would rather have two sets of fingers. No, you got to, um, okay. I'd rather have fingers for toes. Sure, it would be annoying to fit into shoes and it'd be hella ugly, but so is toes for fingers. But at least my functional hands, like think about not being able to use the function of your hands. They would be, they'd just be little beady fingers like this. Yeah, but you would lose so much function. My toes. No. <laughs> Sorry, like this. Imagine trying to do this would be my fingers. a ponytail or a plait in your hair with toes. As... Imagine that thumb too. The thumb would be the big toe. Just anything. No. No changing, changing a nappy, not that that's something I ever do. That puts a new meaning into the Vibram shoes, finger toes. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, long now. I used to own those shoes. It's fucking creepy, man. Uh, all right. So I guess we're wrapping up with, hmm. we would really appreciate it if you screenshot this episode, tagged us in it and shared it if you found some value in it, or mm -hmm. you think somebody that you know might find some value in it. And if you made it this far on YouTube, give us a thumbs up, maybe a subscribe. Or a like or a comment. Hmm. Yeah. Or come to our house and flash us. Leave us a ten dollar bill under the front door. Whatever, whatever you prefer to do, yeah. guys. Give us a share. Give us a like. Do all that good stuff. Until next time. Arriba, I said that as much as retardedly as I could.
Arrivederci. Yeah, like Brad Pitt in um, Inglourious Basterds. <laughs> it was very Australian. Arri- Arrivederci, guys. Arrivederci. Arrivederci.